From the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Occasionally interesting, occasionally enlightening, and, and sometimes a little bit nasty. Joining me now is the one and only Pete Paduccio. Hey, Pete, how are you? Good evening, sir. Uh, Pete, you're a 40-year detective at NYPD, and uh, that's a, a very rare uh, career. Is it? Nah, I'm just old. Night Watch. <laughs> Night Watch makes it sound... That, that's like a good name for a TV show or some shit. You know? Yeah, that it sounds be, cool. It yeah. sounds very... Especially when Game of Thrones was uh, out. That, they had the Night Watch. They had the Night Watch. Oh, that was with a K, though, right? Darkness falls and my watch begins. So you guys weren't actually knighted. You no. just worked at night. Uh, what, what were the hours? What, what time did you go in? We'd start at midnight. Oh. Until 8 in the morning. And uh, pretty much, though, the detective squads are up until 1 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Anything between 1 and 8, that would, we would handle it. Um, we weren't stuck with it. We would do the initial work and then pass it on to the detective squad in the morning. Was that just bodies or... Um, anything. It could, it could be anything. Robberies. Be robberies, assault, burglaries. What did you primarily see? A lot of burglaries, uh-huh. a lot of robberies, uh-huh. and people die a lot in the middle of the night. I don't know if that's what it is, but you'd be surprised the number of people that turn up dead. Yeah, as opposed to during the day. As I used to say, the guy woke up dead. It's, um, it seems as if they must, uh, well, you say die, but I, I assume you mean... Them, well, a lot of them were natural deaths. Oh, really? Yeah, we had to go to all DOAs. Just to be sure. Yes, just to be sure. DOAs meaning uh, they're taken to the hospital, but you no, had to no, write. No, they're dead in the house, apartment, whatever. Oh, so dead on arrival, you mean uh, they're dead on the they're cops' dead, arrival? They're dead right there. They're dead. Dead. It should be, <laughs> it should be a DRT. I never used it. Is that what DRT stands for? That's dead what right it there? stands for. I was never a big fan of that one. I don't know where it came from, but. Uh, dead right there. <laughs> DOA. So uh, listen to Suffolk County, the easternmost county. Uh-huh world unto itself it is isn't it i mean you know you're a lifetime new yorker it's actually a huge county i mean it, it is big yeah people don't realize how big it is it's the second largest in the state i believe or um, now i don't know if that's by population or land mass it's long 86 miles long yeah it's one yeah county suffolk well queens county i think is 17 miles east to west suffolk county is around 19 miles Long Island. Wait, wait, you said Suffolk County. I'm sorry, Nassau County. Oh, right. Suffolk, and then you, Long Island itself is about 125 miles long. Manhattan County, east to west, at, at, its, two at miles. its slim, two miles at its widest. At its, at its max, it's two miles. Yeah, you can walk across Manhattan in, uh, geez, you know, a, a little while, however long it takes you <laughs> to walk two miles. So, okay, look, Suffolk County, tell me about it. It's a diverse place. It's, it's really, you you know, everybody thinks, oh, Suffolk County, you think the Hamptons and Glitzy and this and that. And then you have Montauk, which over the last 10, 15 years has got really built up. That used to be kind of remote because bare minimum it was a three, three and a half hour drive to get out. It was it took you a while to get out there. There's... Long Island Expressway ends about exit 70, maybe 72. And then you still have another 40 or 50 miles of Suffolk County. That that isn't on an expressway. It's not on an expressway. You're taking back roads. Uh, There's not many, you know, four-lane highways. And there's a fork. You have the South Fork and you have the North Fork. Mm -hmm. The North Fork is, you would be surprised. It has vineyards, farms. It's a it's a pretty amazing place. Well, it's supposed to be the best agricultural county in the state of New York. Now, One that's of them. according to the website of Suffolk County. So who knows? But 
Now tell me about the South Fork then. Bit different. It's um, beautiful beaches. Yeah, the I coastline. Mean, yeah. You have a, a tremendous coastline. Um, Good be, place to bury some bodies too. Gilgo Beach, I heard, is a great place to bury people. <laughs> Some people just keep going back there over and over to bury their stiffs. My God, you could have 10 out there, 12, whatever. and No not, sweat. Uh, mm. Not a problem at all. Uh, you know, it's actually got a lot of marshland out there. You go 10, 15 feet in, that's it. You're gone. If only DeVern and Legrand had known about Gilgo Beach. See, there you go. Maybe that bathtub of bones wouldn't have put him behind bars. DeVernon, you know what? He should have broadened his horizons. Yeah. Look the other direction, sir, not upstate. Go out east. And, you know, if you're going to kill somebody and bury them, don't do it on your own land because that's the first place the cops are going to look. Bad idea. Bad idea. So uh, so for context. Professional tip. <laughs> we return to the Wisconsin glacial episode approximately 13,000 to 77,000 years ago when a massive sheet of ice was over 1,000 feet in depth, blanketed the region. And the retreating uh, ice scraped away large amounts of soil to the bedrock underneath. That marks the dawn of the interglacial period and Holocene epoch, which is where we are now. You know what? Most people don't realize one-third of the Revolutionary War was fought right around the New York City area. New no York kidding. City, Queens, Brooklyn, Nassau County. Oh, I did not major, know Major, major battles. As a matter of fact... You say how much? What? How many percent? 75%? Approximately one-third. What? Oh, a third. Okay. A well, third. that's a lot. And uh, George Washington nearly lost it here at the Battle of Long Island, which actually started in Brooklyn, where a lot of good battles start. Hey, keep it down out there. <laughs> they rolled right through Queens uh, up to the North Shore. The English did. Well, they were rolling over the Continental Army. That's yeah. It was into Queens from Brooklyn uh, yes. into Queens. Landed at uh, wherever they landed. On a... there's there's some amazing history around here. There's a couple of U-boats in Long Island Sound and and off the South Shore. Did I know? Yes, yes. They were sunk during World War Two. Well, and, and this isn't a place you normally think of for, like, old battlegrounds and shit like that. People with metal detectors at, looking for no, musket balls. No, but at the beginning of the Second World War, the coast of Long Island, it was, it was a killing zone for U-boats. No actually, shit. Oh, well, the whole eastern seaboard was, but there's a whole lot of wrecks out there hmm. uh, that went down. You could actually see them burning from the beaches. That's how close they got. My God, that, yeah, that's that's amazing. I thought the well, I mean, the only time I think of our actual uh, country being under threat is like uh, Pearl Harbor, nine eleven. Not a, not, you know, it's a different thing. But I didn't know about that. I didn't know the, the no, no, World War One. You're talking about World War Two. Two. Holy shit! Well, uh, I was. It gonna... is literally hundreds of wrecks off the American seaboard, and I mean close, within a couple of miles of shore. Do you know the first European, speaking of history, do you know the first uh, European to uh, explore the Atlantic coast between Florida and Newfoundland? Do you know who that is? I'm going to quiz you here. Mm. I forgive you for not knowing because he's uh, he's not given as much credit as uh, a lot of the others. No? Who would that be? He was a, he was a, an Italian sailing for France, and this is in 1523, Giovanni Verrazzano. Oh, sure. Yeah. Arrived uh, near Cape Fear, and then he, saw, he sailed northwards towards the coast. Uh First to arrive in local waters, and and what he called what the the land he discovered Francesca, which I guess didn't take. No, but uh, when he got into New York Harbor, he says, "All these guineas over here on Staten Island, I gotta build a bridge." <laughs> <laughs> he finally got him a bridge. He got him a bridge. Is that the one they renamed to the Mario no, Cuomo that, Bridge? No, that's the Tappan Zee Bridge. Oh, the Tappan Zee Bridge. Which yes. will ever 
forever and ever be the Tappan Zee Bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Fachim Jr. can name it whatever he wants. Well, let's take a side uh, detour here on Cuomo for just a second because, you know, Cuomo made an announcement uh, talking about how he's going to take it upon himself to oversee the FDA on uh, coronavirus distribution when it comes to his state. And he's joined with a few other governors in the area, and they always follow his lead and let him speak for them. I suppose we're talking about uh, Tom Wolf and uh, whatever that fucking joker is over in uh, New Jersey. Murphy. Murphy, yeah, and then Connecticut, I suppose. So, uh, you know, look, to me, I don't trust uh, the the guy who has the worst record on COVID and uh, is an accused mass murderer at this point, you know, for what happened in the nursing homes. Um, Just before I left the house tonight, he was talking about how people should admit to their mistakes. Yes, yes, I saw. Yeah, that was the way he opened it. You want to talk about a tone-deaf asshole admit to their mistakes. Right. I wonder if he admitted to his mistakes in his new book that he wrote on how to handle the coronavirus. How not to handle the coronavirus. About what I learned. I believe it's uh, December 1st and December 2nd. He has been subpoenaed along with his health commissioner. Mm-hmm. I believe it's in Nassau County. I'm sure it won't be them showing up in court. It'll be their designated lackeys and lawyers. But uh, Asking for a dismissal? Yes. Uh, so what, what's it about? Well, to answer for the nursing homes? For the nursing homes, because they're no longer releasing any statistics with the, people, the amount of people that died in nursing homes. Now, why wouldn't they be doing that? Uh, I suppose it must be a number that they don't really feel very proud of. No, but when you watch him and you watch the other jackass, the Blasio, they just babble and go on and as much as the people on that side of the fence will call people on the right side of the fence they call us nazis fascists all these horrible names and everything mm-hmm. these guys embody all the principles of joseph goebbels uh. who the nazi reich minister of information you know i'll paraphrase it i don't remember the exact phrase but if you repeat the lie long enough it becomes the truth yeah, and that's a fact. And those guys were master liars. And, um, you know, and then you get Cuomo and, and de Blasio, and they just absolutely tone deaf, mm-hmm. not hearing what the people are saying. Well, particularly in that case with, uh, as, as you just mentioned, uh, him saying, learn from your mistakes and, and acknowledge them and stuff, uh, to hear him tell it, there's never been a mistake. But I want to talk about, uh, as you just mentioned, this is, I don't know, the Biederman Report of 1956 talks about communist coercive methods for eliciting individual compliance. And they list that there's a chart of uh, coercion, and this is listed uh, on what I'm looking at next to a a list of COVID-19 shit that's happened and that enumerates these steps. Isolation is uh, first on the chart of coercion, deprives the individual social support of his ability uh, to resist, makes individual dependent upon the captor, individual develops an intense concern with self. So uh, that's what we have, social distancing, isolation from loved ones, massive job loss, solitary confinement, isolation, quarantines, and containment camps. That's actually, you know, that came up in, uh, I believe, in Ottawa. One of the the mayor up there is actually considering quarantine camps based on age. I'm like... Do, do you realize what you're saying and what you're talking about? And uh, calling it a camp is not a good idea. They, any call no, facility, sure. call it anything. But I mean, uh, I'm sure he has a euphemism. Oh, for I it, see. But, yeah, but it's but that is what it is. Yeah. Oh, I see. Now, yeah, it's a terrible idea. 
And also, I, I would imagine there's going to be suspected cases in there, probable cases. There's going to be anybody in there they want out of the way. Monopolization of perception, which fixes all attention upon the immediate predicament. And that comes to us from a restricted movement, uh, you know, monotony, the boredom, the preventing gathering, meetings, concerts, sports. Dominate all media, the 24-7, uh, sen- and they, uh, they censor uh, information. Um, you know, it also is noted, uh, eliminates uh, stimuli competing with those controlled by the captor, induced debility and exhaustion. We've seen that with the forced stay at home, uh, not permitted to exercise, socialize, uh, all the media's negative threats, uh, you know, the threaten to close businesses, levy fines, predict uh, extension of quarantine. It goes on and on until you have, uh, you know, some, it's really, it's absolutely insane. But you know what? Uh, I had a laugh the other day. Uh, Joe Borelli was a Staten Island congressman. Um, I'm sorry, uh, city councilman. Uh-huh. And he tweeted out to Cuomo. I, I think Cuomo said, whatever the fixed number was he has for uh, Thanksgiving gatherings. Oh, boy. And Borelli says, I'm having 12 of them in my house. Feel free to come knock on my door. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, the, the restrictions are, are pretty harsh. And... Uh, Especially this this time of the year with, with Thanksgiving coming up and, and, and Christmas. I think people are really getting tired of this. Granted, they have a hammerlock on businesses and stuff. They can hurt people. They mm-hmm. can hurt people. Certainly can. Uh, restaurants, you know, stuff like that. Everything. There was another county, I believe it might have been Albany County, New York, where the sheriff said they're going to have deputies going out and counting cars in front of people's homes. The sheriff prefaced it with, you know, we hope it doesn't get to that. Well, what are you going to do? Are, are you coming into my house on Thanksgiving to count the number of people there? Yeah, I oh, wish they would. I got news for you, pal. You want to come in my house? You get a search warrant. It's too early for that. Go get a search warrant. See, see how that works out for you on Thanksgiving Day, finding a judge to get a search warrant because you suspect that there's 13 people stuffing themselves in my house. You know something? Uh, it's... it's, uh, it's what will happen is they'll be doing that in a few Thanksgivings, I think, because, you know, it's not going anywhere. And by then they'll be able to say, well, this has been on the books for a few years. We're going to step up enforcement. Now they're just stepping up enforcement rather than, and I think that, you know, they've laid a groundwork. I think it's part, this is just part of laying they the can, groundwork. They can lay all the groundwork they want because what's happening um, in the last seven months, 300,000 people, well, 300,000 addresses uh-huh. filed for change of address, meaning that their mail is going to be sent somewhere else. Yeah. That's 300,000 homes. In New York City in New alone. York City. It could be two people in an apartment. It could be a family of four. It could be. And a lot of them are leaving. And this is just who's filed for change of address. Some people leave well, and never cha- bother. These are change of address out of New York City. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. And a lot of them are, you know, people with means that can afford to do so. Eventually, your tax base is going to crash here. You cannot, You don't have business tax. The business taxes aren't coming in. You People are just going to pack up and leave. 300,000. And, and likely, no, certainly many, many more than that. That's just the change of address. It could be as many as 500,000 people gone. In a city of 8 million people, that's a big percentage. It's true. Yeah, it sure is. It's much higher than it, than it normally is, and not only that, but it's also uh, uh, it, it begins to get close to a number that happened over a decade between 1970 and 1980. The population of New York City actually dropped by about 900,000. 
you know? And so like, I don't know how many new people are moving in to replace this 500,000, but I bet it's not 500,000. No, it's not. And so, um, but I will have more on uh, de Blasio and COVID and stuff in a few minutes. I want to uh, talk about uh, Verrazano for a second, who, who who was who was dead just four years later after he came and named this place Francesca. What happened? He got mugged walking around Times Square? <laughs> well, there's conflicting accounts of his death. Uh, historians are divided on whether he was executed in Spain for piracy or he was killed and eaten by the Calinigo on Guadalupe. Well, that's a pretty wide stretch of mileage there between Guadalupe and Spain. Not only that, I don't think that was even like exactly the same time. They think he might have been also this other guy was the same and him were the same guy. I guess when you're looking at 1528 or whatever, you know, you're talking about a lot of time. You know, I mean, it's a long time. It's a lot of green between now and then. So like, who the fuck knows what happened to him? I suppose they might as well say. Uh, now in 1664, they, they took the English took a Dutch settlement. It was New Netherland. They named they renamed it the province of New York. It was named for James Duke of York and remained. Uh, you know, and you mentioned the Revolution until 1776. It was British. Uh, how do you get to be the Duke of York? It's usually granted to the second son of British monarchs, and it's been created only eight times. Only eight Dukes of York or Duke of Yorks uh, since it was first granted in the 14th century. Since 1300s. Only eight of them. Who's the Duke of York now? Well, a... well, the seventh was Prince Albert in 1920. The eighth is none other than Prince Andrew. Prince oh. Andrew. Okay. Is, is he, <laughs> the disgraced Prince Andrew. Prince Andrew will never, ever again walk the streets of New York City because I think once they get done with Gis- Gis- Gisling, Gisling, whatever. Maxwell. Maxwell, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a warrant lodged for uh, his arrest. Well, they're going to have a hard time uh, putting her in jail. You know why? Because Maxwell's smart. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, it'll once begin, it'll be extinct, that title, Duke of York, upon his death. He's only, he doesn't have a son, unless he has a son. You know, he's only got two daughters. uh, So say goodbye to the Duke of York. Now, the fable county of Suffolk, it was the east riding of the province of New York, where lived a uh, four-term Long Island state prison ex-con on parole. Five pending cases in Suffolk County after doing four and a half years for attempted burglary. And his life was going great until recently. He'd been chased by the police and, uh, you know, just a regular Tuesday morning for this man when he crashed into a pole in East Patchogue, 43-year-old Bill Farnham had everything going for him, which makes what happened next all the more bizarre. Before officers, you understand the irony in that, right? Everything oh, going yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah. Things were not going well. Uh, now, Did uh, they run his communion picture or <laughs> in the paper? No, they certainly didn't. They ran a picture of him, uh, you know, locked up. Oh, uh, with uh, happier times. No, I mean, they. this is my angle. <laughs> The sarcasm. Uh, Before officers could reach the car, Farnham decided to save them the trouble, slit his own throat, and back the blue with the last-minute early checkout. Tuesdays, am I right? You thought your 2020 was weird. Now, uh, I'm going to go slowly in revealing the facts of the case. So, you know, we we know something else will be revealed about what the cops found at home. So uh, I'll get to that. But, uh, you know, I don't know if you ever worked, and you didn't ever work any kind of traffic situation where you pulled people over, did you? When I was on patrol, sure. Oh, did you really? You pulled people over. And so it's a very, as, as we all know, tenuous and stressful situation to do that. It can be- people tend to do stupid things. Mm-hmm. 
this is extra stupid or extra helpful, depending on how you look at it, I guess. I think from the detective's point of view, it was very helpful. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it, wrap that one up quick. It cleans everything up nice, yeah. Uh, I don't know if the car was totaled, but Farnham's punctured hose, 86 him from the purgatory in which he drifted from state penitentiary to penitentiary, and in between... He did things like possess stolen property, tried to break into houses, committed grand larceny, drove poorly, possessed marijuana unlawfully, and resisted arrest. So he's a career guy. And like I said, life was good for Farnham. I'll tell you what, I'm actually <laughs> surprised he made it to 43, especially if you're operating in Suffolk County. Mm, yeah, um, so they, they can be, uh, they enforce the law a little differently there, don't they? Well, you also have a lot of cops, retired cops, living out there where going into people's homes, you may suffer a sudden gunshot wound mm-hmm. and people tend to look after one another out there it's much more community oriented you know yeah like if your neighbor sees farnham breaking into a house he's gonna call the other guy down the street and they're all gonna come up with bats and guns and you know is that where copland copland was no set? no no copland uh for, for the movie purposes it was across the river it was edgewater new jersey Oh, I see. That's where it was filmed. Okay. But a similar community in in Suffolk. Uh, well, yeah. There's a lot of cops I mean, there's a lot of different communities, of course, but I mean, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of cops and a lot of ex-cops, you say. Yep. And now the why and now the police up there make a lot more money than than they your make, average. Yeah, they make exceptionally good salaries. Yeah. And and NYPD it seems to me they have like I don't know if it's a harder job. I don't really know it's how they a much compare. Job. Yeah. It, so. it depends. You got some Parts of Suffolk County, they're really tough. Brentwood uh, is up there? Uh, yeah, Wyandanch. You, you got some places out there that are, they're tough. Is Brentwood in Nassau or Suffolk? Mm, might be Suffolk. I yeah. don't know. But that's it's, they find heads in the woods there, uh, you know, sometimes. But, but you have Wyandanch, you have uh, Riverhead. Riverhead's coming through like a resurgence now. So the whole North Fork is going through a major resurgence it's becoming real like the in place to go that's cool but i'm um, happy to hear that i mean i i like uh I, suffolk county to me seems like it'd be a fine place to live it's just a little different I, I went up to a friend's house there it looks like florida the grass was so thick and lush you know it was just, it was really a fine place uh, a lot of houses a lot of people with yards probably expensive to live out there i'd say property it, tax is probably insane uh, not as bad as uh, Nassau County. No, but bad, but, but not as bad. Well, life was good for Farnham. Uh, he was a promising young 43-year-old criminal taken from us too soon, and his unfortunate suicide, while fortuitous, rocks us to our core. Uh, to his family, our thoughts and prayers, not for losing a beloved relative in Bill Farnham. It turns out they have problems of their own. When police came to notify them of Farnham's sudden demise, uh, their most pressing problem was readily apparent. They also were dead. And moreover, they had been suffering from that condition for considerably longer than the dearly departed uh, Bill yeah, Farnham. That's when you open up the door and you go, uh. <laughs> things now it's not so easy yeah now it sucks <laughs> i mean they were going we have to notify them that's going to be bad i mean we're not going to enjoy yeah, I, mean, I guess there's some relief there like at least we well, don't have to tell them it, well you have to find somebody to tell and that of itself now they got three bodies to talk yeah, about to it, whoever granted the extended family is going to be shattered and somebody has to be told um oh i didn't think of that yeah yeah. There must be some, but, but if they're extended, maybe it won't be quite as. Uh, it, it that's that's a horrible situation. My bad. Um, you know when you have to, 
you know, I'm sure Farnham, he was probably loved by somebody in that family. Well, yeah, it sounds as if he was, actually. Uh, but <laughs> officers found Bill's father, James Farnham, sister Amanda Farnham, murdered inside the Bellport home where the three of them live. Sources say the bodies hadn't been in working order for as many as 12 days. So that's... Uh, yeah, that's bad. That could be, now we understand at least a little why Bill might have been eager to just slit his own throat, which is a bold, bold fucking move. I mean, he was probably really bummed that something had happened to his family, you know. <laughs> well, I look at it this way. Maybe he should have slit his throat before he killed his sister and his father. Yes, they. it, it seems as if uh, they weren't talking to him anymore for a reason. Uh, and uh, he, uh, you know, he probably has... Um, Issues. He pro- he probably was was very uh, maybe it was weighing on his conscience. Maybe he didn't want to go back to prison. I think that uh, you know, and, and really, nothing. He's been staying with them for over a week, and nothing is worse than than dead people in your living space. You know, <laughs> I've been through that scenario a couple of times where people, you know, for whatever reason, you wind up with a dead person in your apartment and. You just don't know what to do. Either you killed them, or you had a case where you... They don't take a hint, you know. They won't. They're not leaving on their own. We had a woman some years back in a very fancy, nice building. Her husband, who was quite a bit older than her, died. So his pension checks and his all his other stuff stopped with his death. She was a Percocet addict. And she had a plan, though. Let me get a steamer box, a steamer case... Let me wrap him up, put him inside, and I will ship him to an Oklahoma storage facility. Well, I don't know how the plan went off the rails. She did a great job wrapping him. I'm going to tell you how bad this stunk, that when I got to the building, the apartment was up like on the 20th floor. Mm. I walked into the lobby of the building. This is a massive building, Mm. and I could smell it. On the 20th floor? It was on the 20th floor. My Friggin' man, imagine the next door neighbors the below them. They must have been just like, "What you got to get? Find the rat in the building here." Uh, it was cool, you know. We got the took the whole thing out in the box, went down to the ME. He was all wrapped in bubble wrap. He was wrapped in bubble wrap, ready to ship. Cords tied around him. Like it did a great job tying him up. And, and so, how old was this woman? Oh, she had to be about sixty-ish, and so only only in her sixties. So she had her faculties about her, and she didn't think that was, perhaps they were going was, to notice this. Box stinks to high heaven. Well, what was even worse is that the guy's mother was still alive, and she was in her 90s suffering from dementia. So when I got up to the apartment, I'm like, who's that? And this poor woman is sitting on the couch. Not a clue what's going on, just saying hello to everybody as they come in. Oh, boy. Um, She was in her 90s, but no idea that her son was inside a box in, you know, in the closet in the bedroom. So, yeah, she was the the woman. Has, as it turned out, we got him down to the morgue. It was like Christmas unwrapping this guy. It turned out he died a natural death. There was no foul play. Right. Just and attempted fraud. Basically, that was it. And did, would she be charged in this situation? Um, I mean, God damn, her husband just be. passed away. She could be. Um, yeah, we weren't in the forgiving mode, though, at that moment, I to mean, be yeah. honest with you. That was one of the more interesting interviews of my career. Like, yeah. you know, I, when she's talking, I didn't smell anything. I didn't <laughs> smell anything. 
I said, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> you know, we're in the station house now, and the station house, detective squad, stinks from the odor emanating from her. Just from her? From her. Well, it was her now closing. It was on us, too. I, I mean, from being in the apartment, we stink. <sighs> she stinks. and uh, You could smell the body just from you being in her apartment for a little while and uh, and, and everybody who was in there. Yeah, that's know, I had no idea. You know, that's a, it's a bad day. When guys walk into the office that are just coming on at 4 o'clock, unaware of what's happening, and as you're in the interview room, you can hear guys yelling, what the fuck is that stinking here? And guys are like, oh, I, well, you got a dead rat in here? Mm. Um, <laughs> it was that. It was bad. That was, that was a stinker. That was one How long did you have to speak to her in there? How long did it take? A couple of hours. A couple of hours of her going, I didn't smell anything. Well, she she gave the whole thing up. Oh, right away. She did. But we weren't 100% convinced yet that she didn't kill this guy either. Right. Of course. Of course. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's just how it turned out. And But, you know, it, it turns out she had a major Percocet addiction. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that. Running eight to $10,000 a month. Whacked out of a bird on Percocet. I don't. I mean, it must have taken a long time to get up to eight grand a month. It's some ridiculous amount of. It, it was insane. My God, that's you know, wow. prescription drug addiction. You know, with oxy and stuff is becoming a concern, and uh, I guess Percocet could lead somebody. You know, it's funny people move to heroin from their prescription drugs because the prescription drugs are too expensive and unattainable. I think that the guy's motivation here, Bill Farnham, to kill his family, you know, when you look at motive, I, I'm going to give you my theory, uh, just just from this distance, what I would guess, why he would have to do this in his mind, because I don't believe that uh, he had some kind of long-standing feud. I don't think it was about anything like, uh, you know, I, I think what, what might happen, he's on parole, he doesn't want to go back. They uh, see him smoking weed around the apartment or any, anything that he's doing, you know, if he brings in stolen property or whatever, they're going to go, hey, you, you know, we're, I'm going to violate you. Well, if this you way, they, probably the family just doesn't want the scale laying around the house. You know, he's eating your food. He's watching your TV. Well, so kick him out, you know. Well, that's easier said than done when it's. You know, it's your kid. But, I mean, once he's coming back home, do you have to take him? No, you don't. So, I you think... Know, their mistake was opening the door the first time. He was only out since, uh, I like, maybe spring of the 90, of uh, 2019. So, you know, he came, he got out, he'd been, you know, locked up for a while. And uh, and then he was out. So, could, you know, do you, what do you think of my theory? That they might have said, like, listen, like, threatened to violate him if he didn't move out or something like that. And then he goes, well, this that, is a real threat. It could threat. also be... No impulse control, rage. You don't know if he was high. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, you get a guy with an explosive temper, and just, that's it. He's had it. He snapped, and he just goes off. Never killed anybody before, but you never know. It's the first time for anything. And, you know, it's once you're in, in uh, prison for a certain number of years, and he'd been in and out of state prison, you know, a number of times, so... Uh, it's, you don't go straight to state prison the first thing you do. Usually, no, I'm you sure. got to work your way up to that. So he's you know, this is a guy who's very hardened by you know life in correctional facilities, and I suppose you know you're a different person when you come out each time, and uh, you know readjustment can be hard. And then you, uh, you know, like, uh, I'm not this, I'm not saying that with any empathy or anything like that. I'm just like trying to get into the guy's mind well, or what. You know. He might get. Come out and get right back into the game. Start using drugs, get drunk. And they don't want that in the house, so... Needs money. It's going to cause friction. 
just speculating. So, uh, you know, and, and parole officers are an important part of the picture, too, because parole is not, like, as easy as a lot of people, you know, it sounds like. No, it's like. not, but it, it also depends on, you know, what his restrictions are. I'm sure it was probably the standard package. you got to pee in the bottle periodically. You mm-hmm. have to probably have to be home, you know, at a certain time every night. It, it varies from person to person. Well, here's a quote. She had mentioned, this comes from a neighbor, I believe, Nancy neighbor, uh, Nancy Farrell. Uh, she said that, and I guess this is in reference to Amanda, who he killed, uh, apparently. Uh, she had mentioned he was a little crazy, but in the same breath, she would say, I love him. They were quiet. Uh, you would see uh, ambulance action once in a while. I think it was crazy inside, but not outside. And then she added, he was in prison most of the time. I've been living here, but he came back last year. Ambulances in front of your house on a regular basis um, generally is not a good thing. Yeah. Um, now, uh, neighbors, another neighbor said he'd been terrorizing the community for years. This is about as violent as it gets, which I suppose it does. Uh, so um, there, there you go. There's a story of Bill Farnham who uh, decided to just... Uh, yeah, save everybody the trouble of another trial and uh, or a trial, a murder trial, double murder trial. And there we Obviously, are. Obviously, he didn't have a plan, um, being that he left the bodies sitting in the house. Yeah. So not only he had no impulse control, but he was also a procrastinator. Yes. It was just one of those things. Takes me to another story um, back in the early 90s where a young man killed his father in midtown Manhattan. The They lived on the 15th floor of the building. And the land, the um, doorman realized there was a problem, as did people on the street, when the father's head came crashing through the window and landed <laughs> in the middle of the street, 15 stories below. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. Like, I'm surprised was, you could tell it was a head at that oh, point. Oh, it was a head. It was a head. And at which point, um, I seem to, re- I think he may have walked out of the building with bloody feet and just a pair of pants on. Cops come, they get them, and something that became, I wouldn't say it was an issue, but we found the cat was dead in the apartment, as was the parakeet, and they couldn't find the heads of the cat and the parakeet. And as it turned out, once the other half of the, well, I shouldn't say the half, the part of the body below the neck when it went to the morgue, this lunatic had cut the body open and stuffed the heads inside the father's body. And he, he, he was uh, he was out there. He was completely insane. This guy, man. What uh, what what reason would he have had for that? Well, in at, his mind, do you think? Well, the defense attorney said, "Well, the father was abusive. He was controlling. Beat him." Um, that explains the murder. Uh, he was a strict parent. Um, you know, uh, but but the, but the heads in stuffing the heads inside the now did he you say he cut him open did he stuff him into the neck hole no or he into his stuffed him into the body cavity body cavity okay wow yeah but he got everybody's attention like I said with the head coming through the window like a cannonball he whacked threw it out the window into the street out the window that's making a statement you know it really is it's uh, something similar to that happened a guy cut his mother's hat off uh, and he was was the guy schizophrenic by any chance yeah he had major issues he had major psychotic yeah. issues well that's you know it seems as if there's like okay that guy killed his mother cut her head off kicked her head out into the street like a soccer ball and uh and then jumped in front of the train this is out in long island i think it was suffolk so you know something about cutting somebody's head off it seems it's like very rarely does anybody sane do that it's extreme. 
just—it's extreme, but just—it's uh, extreme, but it's also—it also seems to be connected to mental illness and rage. And rage, yeah. I mean, did you ever see a case where somebody who was not insane cut somebody's head off? No, I can. I remember cases where uh, children did kill their parents, but there was no um, no mutilation of the the body like that. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, which uh, were they able to get out of it because of abuse? The kids, no. no. But but Barbara Sheehan did out in Long Island. She killed an ex, her ex cop husband. Used his service, uh, you know, firearm to to shoot him while he shaved. Uh, yeah, that one I think having a lot of people scratching their heads. That uh, jury let her off with just possession of the firearm. I guess she got off with time served, or, or maybe not even that. I don't know. But yeah, she got out of the murder because of uh, the battered woman defense. Yeah, I, well, I think in that case, there might have been a, a documented history of uh, domestic violence calls to the house. And, um, mm. but, you know, good defense attorney. He's I'd get say up there so. And, whether it's true or not, he's going to get up there and spin that yawn. The, the kids sided with her on that. I My theory at the time was that, well, they don't want to lose their mother. They just lost their father. So why would they want to lose their mother? And and maybe they hated the guy, too. If he was abusive to her, then she might have also been abusive to them. I don't know. But uh, at the same time, I go, well, she wasn't in immediate danger. The battered woman syndrome I struggle with because it seems like they just have, there's this notion that like, well, eventually he's going to kill her. And uh, I don't know if that's true necessarily because look, uh, there's plenty of women who, I mean, I know it escalates. I know there, there is that pattern. I get it. Women shouldn't get beaten up, but they should leave, you know? And, and I know they exactly. fear what will happen if they leave, but yeah, it's better than your chances if you I've stay. I've had this discussion, if I said a thousand times I, mean, I, I, I don't think I'd be lying mm-hmm. um, walking at the situations where you know a woman's been abused or slapped or hit and it, it doesn't get any better from here mm. yeah you need to go and how often do you um, sometimes would you imagine frequent flyers and um, if you work in a place long enough you're going to get called back to the same places all the time mm-hmm. and um you know, it's these guys. A lot of these guys are not going to change. Well, you can put them in the jail overnight. You know, and and it, it sometimes it also seems to be the. Um, it might be a poor choice of words on my part. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys have, have a personality trait of just extreme arrogance. Right. Um, like you're not going to tell me what to do. My house. This and that. Mm-hmm. And a couple of times these things ended in fisticuffs with the cops. Um, meanwhile, you're sitting there with a, you know, woman with a black eye, and you tell this guy he's under arrest, and they start giving you orders, when generally, prudence would dictate, just keep your mouth shut, put your hands behind your back, and, you know, deal with it in court. Yeah. And it seemed, always seemed to me that a lot of times you were dealing with, you know, who the fuck are you to come in here and say, hey, guy, we're the police. We were called here. You know, either the wife called or the neighbors called. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And my, you know, as a supervisor, you know, people don't realize that, you know, in New York City, if you don't make the arrest and there's another incident or this guy goes on to kill that woman later on that night, you can be arrested, lose your job, lose really? your pension. Yeah. Really? So, because that constitutes at that point a special relationship? 
Well, it just domestic violence has become such a big issue in the last 20, 25 years. And um, yeah, you, you, I hear you. Everyone's making a big deal out of it now. Well, you, you can't take the. Am I going to risk my pension? Because because this guy, I have a woman sitting there with a black eye or broken nose. I don't want him arrested. Hey, lady. Yeah, I feel. Did he do this to you? (laughs) Yeah, well, he did, but I don't want him arrested. Okay, I don't care what what you want. You can go down to the DA's office tomorrow and drop the charges. Right now, he's coming with us. There you go. Because I am not putting my career or pension on the line. I'm not going to do it to the cops who work for me. Well, your freedom on the line. You know, yeah. I mean, could you be? You could Actually, be sued civilly. You could. There's a lot of ramifications if you don't take action once yeah. it's been brought to you. Well, you know, and then the question. I mean, these guys, you know, are, are the sort of guys who, um, you know, obviously they, the you know, whatever this woman is doing continually to, you know, make them upset. They don't realize they need to leave as well. You know, separate yourself from that situation because the woman obviously is a triggering uh, person. You know, but, and it can go both ways. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it really can. It can, you know, you have women that can be just as violent as the men. Well, speaking as a, someone who was nearly murdered by a woman, I can well, vouch you, for that. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I never would have thought to uh, to, to bring a gun around her and, and you know, try to uh, use that to coerce her into a conversation. No, but when I show up on the scene, it just, that's it. You know, if somebody's going to jail. That is, is that the law, that someone goes to jail? Well, it's not so much... The, it would take me an hour to explain to you the breakdown now of, of the law. What violent, uh, what levels of violence? What what sections of the penal law are broken? What becomes a must? I mean, it's so convoluted that we have a uh, well, a large amount of discretion in that case. Yeah, you know, the summons books the cops carry. There are a number of inserts in there. One dealing was with domestic violence, um, and I, I like listen. Somebody got tuned up here. Somebody's going to jail. Yeah, it becomes the the thing, the the simple way to handle it, and the, and probably the most prudent. Of course, it is. You know, and and you hope that's the end of it. Is it true that if you, even if you break your own furniture, if you break something like that, you know, that could be considered some sort of uh, it could assault. Be, it could. Well, it'll be considered uh, like criminal mischief or something, and you could be arrested for that, even if it's your own. That, that falls into one of those areas that it might be uh, just a violation in the penal law. It could be. You do nothing. You do the domestic incident report. You would think you would be able to smash all of your own stuff legally. I mean, you would think, right? I would. I would think that if I want to smash everything in my apartment that I own, that that's legal. Many years ago, I go on a job. Um, they were East. It was Eastern European couple, and the man was the building super. This is when, uh, like, America Online was first big with the instant messaging and chat rooms. Uh And we get called there, and the wife is supremely pissed. She goes, he's crazy. He comes home. He throw my fucking computer out the window. So I look out the window, and sure enough, there's a... These are the older, you know, when they had the big screens and... Huge monitor. Huge monitor, the whole thing, right out the window. And he's sitting there just... You know, very peaceful on the couch. He goes, I work job all day. I come home. I take care of building. She sits in front of fucking computer. Tick, 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 tick. Type, type, type. Tick, 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 tick. 
I don't know. She she talks to guys and this and that. He's bullshit. I come home. She's sitting there. She's been sitting there since I left this morning. Tick, 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 tick. I had enough. I pay for computer. I throw a fucking computer out the window. I said, okay, well. Well, have a nice day, you guys. <laughs> he goes, and you know what? He says, you can't lock me up. I says, uh, why is that? He goes, I hurt no one. I says, well, dude, you really shouldn't throw the computer out the ninth floor. He yeah. goes, take a look out the window. His courtyard with no public access. Second floor roof. Nobody can get down there. So. Okay. Fair enough. Now, this is. Yeah, well, yeah. Then he did it late at night. So. Sometimes as a police sergeant, you have to have the, the wisdom of Solomon. And um, mm-hmm. so I started pondering this for a second. And she goes, he's got fucking gun in closet. <laughs> <laughs> she started seeing you even thinking about not arresting him. Checkmate. Oh, wow. I go, you got a gun in there? He goes, I got a gun. I said, you got license? He goes, he goes lock me up. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Oh, she had that trump card ready to play. She uh, wasn't going to use it. Yeah, unless she had to. She and wasn't going to use it. And and then she started with, oh, don't lock him up, this and that. It was just, uh, you pulled the trigger on that one, honey. Oh, right. Oh, she tried to reel it back in, huh? Yeah. You know. Yeah, just, please. That, that, that's it. You're going, you know. Yeah. Now, let the courts figure this one Look, out. Look, yeah, we're here now. You know, we've arrived. Congratulations. Now, tourism uh, in the world's largest city also won't be back to pre-COVID levels until 2024. That's according to the city's top tourism agency. That's NYC and company. They say uh, that their report projects that by the end of 2020, tourism will have plummeted 66% from 66.6 million tourist trips in 2019 to 22.9 million this year. So that's also not you know, funny, a Pat, good factor. Just recently, I was looking around, hotels for sale. Mm. Not these big, huge monster hotels, but like these smaller boutique hotels. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever sells those things. Those things are money machines. Yeah, normally. And, I says, and even in the age of COVID, where a lot of these places are, are housing homeless people or people with COVID... That gravy train is eventually going to run out. And, you know, and I says, wow, hotel for sale. Consider it. No. If you have the extra money to put into it. Yeah, but anything that, when you see stats like that, 66% decline, what happens to the restaurant industry, entertainment industry, Broadway theaters? You know, how do you, if you have the money to buy these things and sit on them for a few years, yeah, that's great. Sure. Yeah, that's what I mean. Chances what? are you don't. Hardly anybody would. These and then you're still rolling the dice. These little boutique hotels that I mean for years, you know, if you, you find them on the side streets all over the town. Uh, now, comments on, uh, de Blasio's briefing he had a press briefing today in which he said a lot of the same shit uh he also uh it, you know of course as he always does and I know you've noticed this when he gives a briefing he he goes I'll answer and then I'll have uh doctor and like uh, Dr Chosky uh, answer you know 
and he'll he'll give what you know. Of course, they're all on the same page to begin with, but he'll give his answer, and then he in layman's terms, and then he wants them to medical it up, you know. And they always say the same thing. They always say, oh, "Well, I think that answer pretty much covered it, Mayor." But I'll elucidate a little bit. He can pound it up his ass. Yes, he's carrying on. But last Saturday, when the media in this country proclaimed Joe Biden to be the winner, and they were spontaneous eruptions going on. Joe Biden was a win- what was there an election? I didn't hear about that. Yeah, there was something something in the paper about it. Okay, so So, yeah, he was out dancing in the streets. He was out taking selfies with all sorts of people down in Washington Square Park. Mm-hmm. So I make it a point now every day to take that picture I have of him posing with strangers, you know, face to face. And I post it on his Twitter page every day just That's to break nice. his balls and I say your point is moot. And I'll follow Pete the Cop on Twitter. Uh, good follow. I, I, I frequently retweet and like the stuff that you have and, and read the things. It's, it's great articles. Occasionally interesting. Occasionally enlightening. I think, and sometimes a little bit nasty. Well, uh, good. All the better. I, I think I think fans of New York City Crime Report are not afraid and nasty. And uh, certainly we realize there's a need for it now when we see so much bullshit being floated at us from the, a hostile city government. Uh, the health He introduced the health commissioner, Dr. Dave Chosky, who said, we can't let COVID fatigue turn into compassion fatigue. And when things like that are coming out of uh, the government's mouth, they just say, come they on, They just dude. love the word salads. This is one thing he said. COVID-19 can spread easily indoors, particularly as the weather becomes colder. I mean, like, if it's indoors, the weather's the same inside as it is outside. Well, did you see these bubbles that they're putting up? Where people go and sit inside these bubbles, and looks to me like a germ incubator. And you know what? You may get up, you know, sit there with your family, friend, whoever it is, and you're spewing your germs all over this condom thing that you're sitting in. Oh. You get up and leave. The next crew of people come in there, and they're sitting in there. Oh. I, I'm not buying it. I'm sure, they must spray it down with Windex or something. <laughs> I, I, I'm Do you just, trust it? I guess is the question. Mm-hmm. Not a fan. No, I, 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 I'm not really too concerned about, um, about that type of thing. I'm, I'm not going to do any uh, outdoor eating to speak of. Now, I, I did eat two meals indoors in the last few days. I went to Benihana last night. Well, I love Benihana. They do a little volcano out of the onion and everything. Well, was the guy actually there. there? Was he behind a shield? Benny. <laughs> oh, oh, the Benny, cook. I, Benny, I think is dead. Oh, the cook was remote. The cook was remote on the internet. So you got to you know, watch it on like, TV. And then they just brought it out. No, I'm kidding. No, he was there right there with the grill. They do they do that, which is strange, of course. Did, we, he, did he cover his mask his, No, he had a mask on. Okay. And we had uh, uh, six people at the table rather than the customary, I don't know, however many it would be, but it was three couples. And, uh, you know, a lot of table, a lot of space between the tables, all that shit. Nobody getting COVID there. Uh, the meal was amazing. So nice to be eating indoors again, you know. Uh, I don't I don't mind uh, throwing down a few bucks for, for a good time. And, that boy, the food is good there. But uh, now it says particularly as the weather becomes colder. I don't know what the theory is there about when you're indoor. Maybe he means more people will be huddled indoors more often. But that's not uh, – let's, let's be real. So unless you're – he says unless you're younger than two – I guess meaning one. I guess we're out of that. Or have a medical condition that prevents wearing your face covering. I, I do have uh, what you call chronic hostility disorder. So uh, that's what prevents me from wearing it. Um, uh, please wear it, he says. Please wear it indoors and outdoors and make it into an everyday routine. 
just like putting on your jacket or coat when you head out. But I don't understand. We're supposed to wear them indoors and outdoors. So why would it be like putting on a jacket or coat? It should be like putting on your underwear or your socks. Well, you know, some days you go commando. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I like I said, we've discussed this before. I always have the mask. Yes. I You're wear just- it. Just trying to, you don't want any confrontations? It, and- well, I wear it strictly for confrontational reasons. I wear it, you know, I do the right thing. I don't want to piss anybody off my building. I wear it in the elevator. Mm-hmm. If I go into a store, I put it on. I don't want to fight with anybody over this. And thus the social pressure, the coercion. If I'm walking around the street and you give me the stink eye and, uh, you know, and I'm eight or ten feet away from you, leave me alone. Indoors uh, and outdoors. They're saying now that's their new campaign, the indoors and outdoors campaign. Uh, he also said that the CDC recently affirmed that face coverings protect those who wear them and that masks uh, in someone else's home or wherever you may encounter them is yet another message of care for those around you. I don't care. Well, I mean, it, does COVID exist? Yes, it does. Is it real? Well, we have a couple of friends of all. I mean, yeah, on, yeah. On, people on, have been on. sick. People have gotten sick. If the all if the months of conflicting information that comes out, and they tell you do this, do that, then they start looking at the stats. What tests the real? What tests the wrong? What you know? What's the actual? I don't trust anybody anymore. Trust me, Pete. I've got some answers for your questions. Just to finish out his stupid ass remarks, this doctor he says in the days ahead, spreading these positive actions must be more contagious than the virus. That's how we're going to get through this. Together. <laughs> now, de Blasio went through some numbers. He included charts, you know, so you could pause on them, you know, and take a look at those. Uh, hospital admissions. The threshold is 200 patients. We had 92 uh, admissions. That's, so that's not even up to half of the threshold. It hasn't been anywhere near uh, 100 even. But as the mayor clarified it, it's the daily number of people admitted to New York City hospitals for suspected COVID-19. That's well, how many... There's, there's, there's the problem. Why they, yeah, exactly. And yet the flu has totally disappeared. Flu has completely disappeared. That might explain a lot of the hospitalizations that they're doing. The confirmed positivity rate continues to go up. He said that's alarming. 44.2%. So I guess I'm to assume that the confirmed positivity rate then was 44... It was 41 people. 40, 41 cases. And now this is over... New York City has 62 hospitals... We don't even have one confirmed case per hospital. My tendency is when I hear this number of uh, 100 and some odd people, I think, oh, shit, they're in the hospital. And you just think of one hospital. This is 62 hospitals, 41 confirmed cases. I mean, why are we talking about this? I, You see what I mean? I don't even know where to begin anymore. Really okay, well, hold on. let me get, let me throw some more stuff at you. He said there's a hundred one thousand fifty seven confirmed uh, reported COVID nineteen cases, uh, and that's a seven day average. He said and it's higher than the threshold of five hundred fifty cases. But as as he notes, testing has increased so dramatically. Uh, he said on Friday seventy five thousand people were tested. That's in one day. So the highest daily number in the entire time of the coronavirus. In fact, that's a lot. The seventy five thousand. But, but shouldn't the threshold be raised, you know, proportionally with the amount of testing, for one, I would think? Also, which ca- when cases are discussed like this by politicians in the media, they're talking about, uh, sus- like, probable cases are thrown in there. They, they lump them into the cases. 
and they won't say what the criteria are for determining the number of probable cases. It's unknown. Uh, the number of uh, probable versus confirmed cases is not known or included in the discussion. So I don't know how many of these cases, 1,057 are cases. No, I don't think they know either. Yeah, but I would imagine there must be some subjectivity in determining what qualifies as a probable case. Could it be like the number of people in their household plus whoever they saw at work or if they take public transportation? How do they determine that a probable case? And, uh, and I, I, it probably means anybody that they would point to for contact tracing that they haven't tested yet. But now they have they have that. Anyway, okay, just to move forward quick, I know we're over an hour here. Uh, percentage of uh, residents who tested positive, 1.68%. The threshold is 5%. It's great news, right? But it's what's well, great, but it's not news. We haven't been anywhere near 5% since mid-May. Since tell, mid-May. Tell that to the bar owners. And the restaurant owners that have to shut down now at ten o'clock at night. Yeah, Tell exactly. That Explain that to them. We have not seen any of. I mean, I like mean, I said, one point six eight. I mean, does the coronavirus only come out after ten o'clock at night? Yeah, it's and, a, and and the, it's been such a ghost town. How many people, you know, are actually hanging out? At, you know, it doesn't impact it very much, really, to be honest. It, I mean, maybe they're seeing a few too many people having fun at outdoor bars and shit uh, at night. And a lot of times, and I think this is what's going on, they have these arbitrary things that they will drop in and, and all it is to do is to disorient you, to have some hope and then some ta- have it taken away privileges given it's just all at the government's whim the government's whim to shut down stuff and 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 the government is not even they're talking about not uh, closing down schools because they have this three percent fresh threshold in the schools uh, what the fuck if shutting down schools it, it makes absolutely no sense at these rates because the schools are extremely safe you know the, the the transmission is zilch in the schools what do the parents do the people that are home, you know, that are trying to survive and they got to go back to work. And now all of a sudden you're back to being in the house, taking care of the kids, homeschooling, or maybe working from home. Mm-hmm. It, it fucks it, everything it, up. Think about the stress level it's putting people under. Yes. No, I mean, to, to have to, to figure this situation out when, when it was, it's difficult to figure it out once how we're going to handle getting this kid in school. Now you're going in, you're going out, you're figuring out like how to be with them all the time. Uh, are we going to homeschool? Are we going to, or not homeschool, but you know, remote learning, they call it. Uh, yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's a fucking mess. My point being, none of these numbers justify anything that, that could happen. I mean, they're very low, very low. Everything is well below thresholds. And that's with some sort of no, built-in are, fudge factor. Ramping up the fear factor. Yeah. They are. They're you know, cranking it up. I was and and looking, you go, why? You know, I'm just browsing Twitter earlier today, and CBS is running a video of miles long parade of cars pulling into a uh, local food bank. I'm like, geez, that's bad. Until you realize that the video that they're showing, and they're not giving it any context, it happened in April. Oh, my fucking God. Why are you running this on November 16th? Yeah, I know why. <laughs> to give the impression that everything is fucked up. I'm like, well, let me see if there's no story associated with it. They're running this old video. Yeah. CBS News is very dishonest. I'm like... So but, everybody take note of this. But I'll tell you what. If you're just scrolling through Twitter or whatever and this thing pops up, I mean, they have a big footprint, CBS News. Sure. Even if you don't like the pricks, it's going to pop up. 
Millions of people will see this. You're like, oh, Jesus. Look at this in Texas. Yeah, these food, the food lines. Thousands food of, you know, and the next thing you know, you'll have a run on toilet paper, and mm. it's insanity. No it, PPE, oh my God. Well, let's quickly talk Moranis here. Sure. They Saturday arrested a violent ex-con, charged him with slugging Rick Moranis last month on the Upper West. Part of all this pressure that's on it you know crazy people are acting even crazier so you get a guy walking down the street and for mm. whatever reason rick moranis looks like a guy he wants to punch in the head so boom i can understand that completely yeah. it's not nice um, i mean rick moranis is a guy who's a, well he, to him he didn't punch rick moranis he punched some old guy that's it you know and and then it just happened to be rick moranis uh the transit bureau sergeant uh who caught him or he spotted uh, Marquise Ventura, 35, at 96th Street and Broadway, made the Which arrest. Is actually an excellent piece of police work. I'd say he is. He spotted him and arrested him. Yeah, Spotting fan- a guy walking down the street is an art. In this city. Not many cops are that good at it. Hats off to the uh, Transit Bureau sergeant who, who did that. Transit Bureau, I'm going to tell you, last year, just before I retired, the uh, female officer downtown says, hey, look at that guy walking over there. He's wanting on a grand uh, grand larceny charge. Wow. Her and a partner go and get this guy, and bang, the fight is on. He, they are brawling. Wow. They finally get him cuffed. Turns out he's wanted for a homicide down in Miami. They bring him in. The Miami guys, <clears throat> I'm not going to get into the specifics of the story because it's, it's rather long, but mm-hmm. basically the Miami guys get here, and they're like, he goes, I know why you're here. She says, okay. What do you got? And he says, well, he says, where do I begin? He says, well, start at the beginning. He says, well, when I was 12 years old, 13 years old, he's telling these guys he killed a homeless guy, a child molester that lived close by him down south. By the time this guy was over, he gave up over a half dozen homicides that he committed in the last 12 years. Jesus. That's from a cop that was paying attention. Wow. And that, see, that is, and, you know, it could have been for turnstile jumping or, you know, something that now they won't, well, they won't cretin, question quite as much. You know what the, I mean? Well, that's just it. But this cretin was living in the in the tunnel and he popped out for air. He was going upstairs and this female cop just says, I know that guy. Stuck his head up at the wrong time. Oh, he did. Uh, well, and, and and this guy was masked. Uh, this this uh, this fellow Marquise Ventura was, was you know he was wearing the mask. I'm and shit. glad he was practicing proper COVID you know precautions. But makes him even harder to spot. You know, thanks to an eagle-eyed a sergeant from NYPD Transit, this suspect has been apprehended and charged. The NYPD said in a tweet, uh, an unblinking uh, Ventura responded to a reporter's questions. Huh? As detectives led him in handcuffs from the 20th Precinct Station House there on the Upper West Side. Uh, he has a history of more than a dozen arrests, including five for felonies. Five felony arrests. He's walking around. His most recent arrest for allegedly pummeling a strap hanger in the, on the West 4th Street subway station. It came just two weeks after the attack on Moranis. So he's uh, this guy is a big 
problem. And and I, he seems to be pretty messed Lots up. Lots of them walking around that just have no problem hauling off, punching people. Look, you got to really worry about that now. Yeah, it's a it, it's not necessarily even these are not. You know, when you start talking about like, oh my god, they they might rob or shoplift to, to a little bread or something. No, that's not what we're talking about. Like this is crazy. People just walk up and beat you up for nothing. So uh, here here's a, a little coverage of the earlier Vic. So this is six months before. He allegedly knocked Rick Moranis to the ground. Uh, Marquise Ventura, uh, he was uh, an even more violent, unprovoked attack on a Bronx subway. Uh, the victim in that attack, a mother and a restaurant manager, Ashley Davis, she said, I could see he was crazy. I was telling the police, this guy's not right. Uh, this guy's got a mental illness. But 34-year-old uh, Davis was on a downtown five train and all the best things happen on a downtown five train in the Bronx with her husband, Glenn Smith, 34, uh, you know, who, uh, that she was, uh, the guy was walking between cars. Ventura was, uh, this dude just randomly started beating the crap out of me and my husband. He pulled a knife on my husband. He punched my face. I thought he broke my eye socket and jaw. He was just kicking and hitting him. She said, uh, it was crazy. And it happened so fast. The guy was just, uh, he was just intent on assaulting us, she said. She added, I thought my husband was dying. His shoulder was so badly dislocated, it was down to his belly. And I'm sure he was cut loose the same day. I bet he was. He was, he's uh, claim he was definitely out, I mean, uh, out and about to hit Rick Moranis six months later. Uh, now, Ventura's claiming that they attacked him because her husband had picked up Ventura's knife after he dropped it. Uh, prosecutors have offered to drop charges on both sides. That's nice. They offered to drop charges on both sides. They thought that was equally valid. Oh, he picked up my knife. Yeah, well, this guy with multiple felony arrests is is all, it wants to see them. He got them charged on on beating him up when it's a couple, and I'm sure they don't have a big legal history. And maybe yeah, I, they do. Well, this is where lack of discretion and. You know, uh, a bias so, towards criminals, maybe. Well, you know, like I said, we would handle those things differently. The second he says, "Oh, they took my knife," okay, my next response would be, "Shut the fuck up, put your hands behind your back." All right, I don't want to hear your bullshit. I really don't. It should stop right there. Yeah. Why are you walking around with an open knife or, or whatever kind of cutting instrument he had mm -hmm. on a subway train, and you beat the balls off these people? And, you know, oh, they took my knife. No, no, shut the fuck up. Get in the car. <laughs> Press it to judge. Mm -hmm. Prosecutors have offered to drop the charges on both sides. And But Davis said, I was like, no way. I want them to throw the book at the guy. Uh, Davis has needed uh, psychiatric care since the attack, the lady. And I can no, and can no longer bring herself to set foot in a subway. I don't blame her a bit. I feel very, very bad for him, she said to Moranis, adding that she's a big fan of Honey, I the kids. Neither of us should have to go through no. what we did. And you know what? She's 100% right. That that was some poor decision-making there. Part of the... Pro you mean the prosecutors? I mean, I don't want to judge the cops on scene. Of course you know, not. I, don't, I wasn't there. I don't know exactly what transpired. Why would you... You know... Yeah. I mean, I... Nobody wants to make a command decision anymore. You know, mm. a lot of times this is common sense, but... Well, common sense will get you in trouble these yeah, days. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know what? I didn't... I was just one of those people that... I really didn't worry about that because I would actually use some rational thought. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, marry a couple, riding the train, going somewhere. Didn't he... Because it used to be that rational thought... You can't 
shut that off in you. No, but I've, I've, I've had guys over the years thought, oh, yeah, that, that, that's their fault. Yeah, okay, good. You know what? You're a career skell, and you're out here fucking around with two people just minding their business, going from point A to point B, whatever it is, mm. and uh, I'm going to entertain your stuff. Not happening. There you go. Hey, uh, Pete, we, you know, we do the crime report together now on Thursdays. And, uh, I want to say, uh, you know, it's fun working with you there as well. And, and, uh, you know, very lucky to have you at compound media. So you need to jump on compound media. If you want to like watch me as well as listen, there's a ton of other stuff on there. I'm on once a week. I'm also on uh, my own show on Mondays called TBD. That's with uh, Garrett Andritz. And we talked like today, we talked about sandwiches for a while. Uh, <laughs> always a very interesting conversation. Thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate that. People seem to enjoy it. Uh, and we, you know, there's also room for for some other stuff there too remind me of the next crime report we're going to talk about black mayonnaise black mayonnaise you black, got it black mayonnaise i uh <laughs> i can't wait to a hear what city, that's about a city councilman uttered that one today mm. a, a four-star communist they started cleaning out the guanas canal and he remarked that look at that black mayonnaise coming up you know they're pulling up out of the water mm-hmm. i don't like him but I thought that was quite amusing that he used. I told him, I said, you know what? Put some of your black mayonnaise on the shit sandwich that you serve the citizens of New York every day. <laughs> I'm going to have to sample that right there. Yeah, and, I don't think he's going to. Insert gonna, that into a theme. I may make him a special project in the near future on Twitter. A nut with a submachine gun killed a man in Queens. We'll have that story on the next episode. In Staten Island, we had a bit of a... A situation. Which was that? That was. That wasn't the rap video they were shooting. They yes. Got, that, uh, yeah. That now, got real. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Guy was shot while uh, directing a rap video down in the forgotten. It doesn't borough. get any. I hope the camera was rolling. Uh, it really. <laughs> That will be a runaway of a, hit. Of a rap video. Also, three were injured in an afternoon shooting inside a New York City subway station. I'll give you all the details on all those stories. On the next episode, please check out CrimeReport.nyc, where you'll find links to get merchandise. Merchandise from this show. Shirts and shit like that. Cool stuff. Also stuff from Crime Report on Compound. Too Woke to Fuck, which you should be listening to. That's the number two, the word woke, the number two again, and then F. Too Woke to F. That's also on iTunes and everywhere you listen to podcasts. By the way, I produce another podcast called The Thrill of the Kill. Please check that out. That's a very interesting show with uh, ex-exterminator comedian Larry Izzo, uh, a good friend, and uh, I've been producing that show for the entirety of its run. I've heard every episode. They're all very, very good. Pete's uh, uh, such an honor to have you here, uh, a guy who uh, served the public and worked within NYPD and detected crimes, and I'm, I'm sure you've uh, you've seen more dead bodies and more un- unusual circumstances, and it's always great to have your expertise, experience, and your opinion on the show. I do appreciate it. Most of it's horrible, but I think that's what, you know, people like to hear. Nature of the beast, right? Yeah. It is, and I have no regrets. It was a fantastic run. <laughs> Wouldn't have traded it for anything. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Do what you love, and you never work a day in your life, they say. Uh, and uh, one of these days, I'll find what I love, because my life, boy, I don't know what it, I don't know what I do all day, Pete, but it takes me all day to do it. As my dad said uh, Once again, thank you Pete for being here Glad to be here Pat Thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report What the fuck is that stinking here? God, I, what you got a dead rat in here? She's sitting in front of fucking computer God, I, I, I don't know, shut the fuck
the car. I don't know. She she talks to guys and this and that. It's bullshit. I call home. She's sitting there. She's been sitting there since I left this morning. Tick, 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 tick. tick. Okay, well, had enough. I pay for computer. I throw a fucking computer out the window. And you know what? What the fuck is that stinking here? Put some of your black mayonnaise on a shit sandwich what? you serve the citizens of New York every day. You can't lock me up. Why is that? I hurt no one. Well, dude, you really shouldn't throw the computer at the ninth floor. Take a look out the window. His courtyard with no public access. Well, dude, second floor roof. Nobody can get down there. This is... He's got fucking gun in closet. Is it over?